Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week we're looking for the best book written by a ghost. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, sorry. Ghost writer. Uh, to help me are two spooky high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Uh, so I really want to start out by saying my name's Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher, oh, but I, I feel just like done Ian it. has used that joke before. And I, don't I don't think I have. I, you do I or don't? I don't think I have. Oh, I'm a, no, my don't. name's Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher. And Nick, I'm gonna leave this all that week, in. I brought a Nancy Drew book, The Quest for the Missing <laughs> Map. One of the spookiest yeah. Nancy Drew books. I love it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not to show my hand. Hello. There we go. I'm Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher. And today, if you're <laughs> looking for a spooktacular book, I'd recommend the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Mary Ann Schaffer and Annie Barrows, one of whom is totally a ghost. A listener recommendation from Marvin Oxner. Thank you, Marvin. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Guys, before we start, I really want to I want to ask if we could refer to this episode as Spooktacular 3 the Hauntorific. The Hauntorific. Now, because it's like, terrific, but it's also a haunt is why. Oh, the the confused me. You know. Well, yeah, but like think about all the modern horror films. You got to like put the in front of it. Like Right. The Conjure like, or Get Out. It just occurred to me that this could be a terrible episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, that is the goal every single week as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Let's talk about, let's talk about books. Uh, well, welcome, Before Litheads. We do that, oh, hey, hey, okay. but sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, did you want to make more small talk? Since it is that, well, it's the time of year, right? It's the mm. time of year for, for spooky, the season. spooky, yeah, spooky season, yes. Would you guys like to hear a spooky story that actually happened to me? Oh, well, is it too spooky? Not if it's no, too spooky. It's not going to give us like the, the explicit tag on Spotify. Other things will, but it's pretty <laughs> uh, spooky. Obviously, we'd, we'd love to hear a spooky story. Okay. And I'll just say right off the bat, this has nothing to do with the farm. Okay. So okay. Uh, before I started teaching, I was really involved with like technical writing, um, which is about <laughs> as boring as it sounds. I was working for this kind of research organization. This is terrifying already. Yes. I know. <laughs> Um, I was working for this research organization, kind of like describing their processes and writing reports and all kinds of boring words. So I started off working remote. I was, I wasn't working in person. I was just using kind of video of the tests they were doing, but throughout one October, the video I was using was beginning to glitch. Nothing dramatic. Just, it wasn't quite usable. So they asked me like to come in and work from their home office, the place where they ran tests and stuff. But they said, because they were doing it during like the, the workday, I had to come in and work after hours. So there I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie <laughs> sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly Nick, stop it. Nick, cut him off. <laughs> it's a trick. We've been tricked. <laughs> <sighs> so proud of myself.
I do. Um, I have some spooky book news if we want to do a new segment here. Um, it actually has to do with ghostwriters. Hey, don't step all over what I just did. Joe, oh, Nick had something he really to say did. to me. He really did just, just run oh, right past no. the moment, didn't he? That's fine. Nick, Go do you want to tell me how stupid I am? <laughs> no, I was going to say that you really could have got us if you, <laughs> for the final quote. <laughs> but, oh man crap yeah well, that's such a risk chance though yeah if i don't win then like the whole like i would potentially it get unravels whole, yeah yeah it's a big risk hey if you can't bet on yourself who can you bet on why why words of wisdom right there yeah. uh joe uh, would you like to waste our time too <laughs> no i just have a very quick thing um i do have some ghostwriter news this week uh, there is a literary award in Spain uh, with a yeah. million euro prize, and they awarded it to a woman named Carmen Mola for like this. Uh, she's an acclaimed female thriller writer. Uh, but when they asked her to step forward, it turned out that she did not exist. And instead, three men stepped forward and said, yeah, we've been totally writing these novels uh, this whole time. We just thought they marketed a lot better uh, under under the name of a woman. Oh so uh, congratulations to Augustine Martinez, uh, Jorge Diaz, and Antonia Mercero, who presumably were stacked up on top of each other wearing a trench coat. Uh, the article doesn't say that, but uh, but yeah, ghostwriting news. That's really fascinating because there was a time when if you're a woman, you wanted to market your books by publishing under a, a man's name. But these guys, mm. rightly or wrongly, said to themselves, well, you know what? Let's publish as a woman. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> hey, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly or as we call strongly, strongly podcast, podcast where every week we pick a genre and Ian and Joe bring a book and we pick a winner. Love it doesn't it. really make sense, does it? Well, you we I mean, pick a genre, we pick a book, book, you pick a winner. A lot of picking. A lot of picking. Yeah, there's a lot of picking. If I were to write that out, I think it would be mm-hmm. poorly written. Yeah. Yeah. You'd like cross that out. Like if a student turned that in, I'd like cross out those second two pickings and I'd be like, use a different word. I, so I'd maybe, ask for a rewrite. Yeah. Maybe we should workshop Choosy. this. Yeah, yeah. Let's workshop it. Well, for first starters, I don't think the word genre is necessarily correct. It's a theme, but it might yeah, not theme. be a genre. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's seldom a genre. Well, it could be a genre. Could, like could um, ghostwriters, that's a genre. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been to your local bookstore and seen the ghostwriter section? <laughs> right. There's like history, mystery, and ghostwriters. History, mystery, and ghosts. It's time to serious up. Which author, okay. which author currently working do you think most needs a ghostwriter? Uh, George R. R. Martin, please. Oh, yeah. Or any <laughs> fantasy series that has yet to be finished. Patrick Rothfuss. Oh, yes. I think, Joe, maybe you were the one that was telling me that Patrick Rothfuss has said, yes, I'm not going to finish my critically acclaimed trilogy. He's like, I just won't. I'm doing TV now. Sorry. Yeah, he's like, I've moved on. Like, this was a gateway toward me to live the life that I want, and I am now living the life that I want. That These are, I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't say any of this. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, no, nah, I'm good. I know you guys are waiting for the <laughs> that book, bastard. But, but tough titties <laughs> is, I think, his quote. I love it. I love when we take um, Joe's uh, liberal interpretations of anything he's ever read and turned it into fact. 
<laughs> it's official. And, and also, you don't know lit lore now. It also <laughs> must be said, not just liberal interpretations, but poorly remembered liberal <laughs> interpretations. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, welcome, lads, to our weekly, or as we call it, Strongly week, Podcast, strongly strongly where podcast. every week we pick a theme Good. and genre, select author. Mm-hmm. two Good. books Good. within that category. Good. Good. And then we find the best one. We uh-huh. pick the well, best the, the, one. The better, the better of the two, but yes. And then, and then we, we hand craft... Artisanally. <laughs> artisanally... <laughs> Uh, cheddar cheese from I think we lost it you, I, <laughs> you I feel like this again. has turned into one of those stories that everybody adds a word to <laughs> like you have to pass the paper around the room and add to it that's what Nick has ended up with and we here. pick a winner and of course we have rules to keep us on track rule right, number one need any nonsense only unavoidable spoilers today please gentlemen Rule number two is omit needless words, Joe. Omit needless words, Joe. Rule number three is winning. Shit, is it the everything? Winning isn't. <laughs> winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Why? That even Nick, Joe care about? Is it? Is it? Do you really not remember that every week? That's like, so, every, it's got to be a bit. Do you have to look it up? Every I always want to flip it in my head. Do you think? What was maybe, written on the? <laughs> I have a learning disability. <laughs> <laughs> There's really two arguments for homeschooling, isn't it? One is Ian's, and the other is mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, what can you? Uh, do? One of the things they teach you in homeschool is, of course, our shadow rules. <laughs> homeschool curriculum <laughs> it's a part of every homeschool curriculum. i always skip that class you know them and i know them of course since we're all homeschooled uh if you spill salt throw it over your left shoulder don't walk yep. under a ladder and whenever yep. you're in a theater scream macbeth at the top of your lungs right you know at as you know, I'm a proponent of talking about our personal lives on this show, which is why I talk about the farm. But I think there's a lot of lit heads that are surprised that both of you were homeschooled. I feel like they just learned that. I don't think I knew Ian was. Yeah, Ian, I kind of just put it together myself. But I do my best not to share any personal details whatsoever. Did you guys know I have a peg leg? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I just haven't shared that. Can you explain to me what a peg leg is? Is it sexual? I, then I don't want to know about it. A peg leg is that thing a pirate has where it's like a you said a, ped, a peg wag. No, I'm not saying is that like leg. when a toddler has a fake leg. <laughs> or do we have a terrible audio connection? It's a terrible. You, audio let me connection. know. It's like, oh, wooden that leg. was that's okay. all it is. Gotcha. Got, it's like a wooden leg. So it could be sexual. Uh, okay. Joe, do you want to get, take 30 seconds and tell us about your book, please? Yeah, absolutely. I would, except I have a huge problem this week, Nick. I normally write out a 30 second summary and I just, I just forgot this week. Like I'm looking at my notes. There's nothing in here. So, um, Nick, Nancy drew in the quest for the missing map, a case of the Stratemeyer syndicate written by Carolyn Keene, but actually written by a woman named Mildred Wirt Benson is a Nancy Drew book. Uh, there's like 175 Nancy Drew books. This is like number 19 of 175. Right. And it's got a bunch of Nancy Drew book stuff. It's got like long lost right. twins and missing maps and mysteries. And she drives a convertible. It's all, it's all a good time. It's all in there. Um, is that 30 um, seconds? It like is now. Oh, great. Okay. So we got <laughs> Nancy's shenanigans. Ian, your time has begun. Do you like history? Do you like Nazis yes, getting uh, punked? Do you like love stories? How about epistolary novels? Do islands do anything for you? New York Times bestsellers? I can hear from your silence that these aren't enough. So let me just add 
the ghostliest of ghost writers, an author who died before finishing her work. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Mary Ann Schaffer and Annie Barrows is what I brought this week. I feel like Ian is addicted to epistolary novels. I love them. I think we, should have an, we should have an intervention. I've, I think he, Ian's doing just, just fine. All right. Well, bias. <laughs> How could I be biased? I'm literally supposed to be the unbiased one here. You are both biased. Yeah, supposed to be. Great. Well, um, you know, I'm a sucker for epistolary novels. So let's get going here, Ian. Oh, God. Nick. Nick. <laughs> yeah. At, at the risk of <laughs> at the risk of alienating you uh and just just giving you the wrong kind of bias. Do you remember what Not an possible. epistolary novel is? I looked it up uh, as soon as you said it. <laughs> he's learning because I knew you're going to ask me this nonsense. <laughs> Amazing. I knew I got nervous and I looked it up immediately. So of course, a, <laughs> uh, a epistolary novel is a novel written as a series of documents, as quoted mm-hmm. by Wikipedia. Of course, <laughs> I love that we've traumatized you. Now to this the can, this can, <laughs> you guys scare term. me. You can give Nick's a little like, oh no, there's go- them. Oh no, they're going to shame Nick publicly class. again. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Litheads, this can also be adapted into electronic documents in the in the. Uh, modern age that we live in the modern era though oh sure so you could read a book of like only tweets or only yeah. text no, i think it'd be that kind of be annoying um the yeah well the, <laughs> okay point against you right there i don't know I, like I, they, self-inflicted they do these they do these like shakespeare in emoji things and like they're just mm. not great well that's different it's like that's who, stupid. Is, who is that for guys guys um, guys 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 this is dangerously close to what a podcast is so let's not refund <laughs> it too much okay <laughs> it's basically just a podcast <laughs> um okay so um i i previously brought a couple of um epistolary novels i brought chairing 84 Charing cross road which is not in fact a novel it's a nonfiction story. And I brought Dracula, which everyone forgets is actually an epistolary novel. Um, I don't forget. Yeah, you, good for you. Um, <laughs> 84 Charing Cross Road is told through letters, and it's like kind of nonfiction. Dracula is told through a bunch of different things, including diaries and letters and a wax cylinder that's played on a phonograph. And it's also uh, nonfiction. Um, this book is fiction. This, this, this novel... Uh, the Guernsey, the Guernsey book. I'm not going to say the whole title every time because it's a really long title. The Guernsey book is. Can you say it one more time though? Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. <laughs> Thank you. It's a fun title. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> it title. is a fun. We'll, title. we'll get into the title. Don't worry. Yeah. So this is. No, it's this not is, a spooky title. This is fiction. No. This is a fake story, uh, which means that Sh- uh, Schaffer and Barrows, the authors, get to. It didn't happen. <laughs> Yes, correct. Nick's googling frantically again. Um, I'm on this one. (laughs) All these terms. Today we're learning about fiction and lying. Um, The 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 benefit of this is like Schaffer and Barrow don't need to Barrows don't need to like kind of they don't need to uh, omit things or um, kind of rewrite the letters to make them seem cool. They're just like they can they can do whatever they want with it. They can fine tune this epistolary novel to be really really effective um to like emphasize relationships and characters and narrative developments and stuff there's there's a lot of, a lot yeah. of humor there's pathos there's suspense there's a lot of nice love story that happens um great characters as i mentioned um just kind of like this this vivid 
ensemble cast that's a lot of fun and different and sort of familiar and different at the same time. So the epistolary form lets these authors tell the story in a way that's engaging and also really like, sometimes I read a book and I'm just like, yeah, that was good, but they could have done better. This I read and I was like, that was, they did a really good job with that. I say that a lot too, Ian. <laughs> they could have done better. This could have been better. This wasn't that good. I could do better. Um, I could okay. do better than this. So I feel like I'd like to hear about the book, but then I'd also like to hear about, uh, and this goes to Joe as well, about how uh, your authors are liars, liar faces. Right. <laughs> yes. uh, living a fake life. Let me let me start by talking about the book, and we'll kind of we'll kind of end with with my ghostly author because that's kind of a cool. Yeah, little sounds button. great. So, yeah, uh, this book is as I mentioned, told through letters. Um, it's focused on um, a, a, a woman who is an author. Uh, she was a columnist in World War II. She wrote humorous columns, and um, she has collected them and sold the col- the collection as a book. And she's pretty popular, and everyone thinks she's great. Um, but she's kind of not really, she's kind of losing her, her creative spark and, um, through a complex and like, don't, don't have enough time to talk about them here. A complex series of events. She gets connected with a group of people on the Island of Guernsey in the English channel. Do you guys know where this is? Guernsey. Uh, I think it's in the English channel. Uh, there's also a cow named after this. Yes. <laughs> yes. The golden Guernsey. Yeah. The, so cows. Well, well yeah. golden Guernseys are actually goats. We'd like to bring this conversation back to milk and cheese, possibly. <laughs> or just farm, farm adjacent. Yes. Okay. So, so Guernsey is um, well known because it's an island. Um, it's also got cows uh, that give real, real creamy, good butter. And apparently the swimming cows. They got that good milk. Yeah, the, like supposedly Guernsey milk is better. Guernsey cow milk is better than other milks. I don't know. That sounds like something that the Guernsey Tourism Board would put out, but who am I to mm. judge? Big Guernsey. This is a thing. Like some some farmers, you know, most farmers in Wisconsin have Holstein yeah. cows, which are like the cow-looking cows yeah. that you guys think of, the black and white ones. But mm. every once in a while, you'd get people with like Swiss cows or Guernsey cows or something like that. So right. th- there are different schools of farm thought. And, uh, and I, I just want to emphasize, too, if you're looking for a cow that has kind eyes, a Guernsey has some of the kindest oh. eyes in a cow that there is. The cows just have the best eyes. Okay, but specifically, I, yeah, there are some cows I've seen that have kind of like a bitter look in their eyes. Like they've seen some We could probably move on with, from the cow's <laughs> eyes. Probably move on. Okay, so Guernsey, uh, it turns out Guernsey also, since we're on, on farm topics, Guernsey also was a big exporter, grower and exporter of tomatoes for some reason. Um, that's kind <laughs> is of this critical to your book. <laughs> no, I'm setting the stage. This is a <laughs> this has been Guernsey with Ian and Joe. This is an interesting place. This island of Guernsey. It's it's part of England, like it. but it's way closer to France. Um, uh, Victor Hugo went there in the 1800s, and he wrote *Les Miserables*, um, his book about <laughs> good pronunciation stuff about sad about, about miserable sad people. Um, yes. Um, it's a, it's, it's a weird place because it's kind of part of English culture, but it's very, very, very much closer to France is the only uh, part of England that was occupied by the Nazis in world war two. Um, it's just a very kind of, kind of a unique, um, isolated, um, weather beaten, close knit community, the kind of place you'd expect them to be holding a dark secret actually, but they're not, they're not holding a dark secret. They just, they just have this society called the Guernsey literary and potato peel pie society. Okay. And I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So 
Is that real? Yeah, this is the thing. This Good is the question. fiction. This is well, the society is, this, is fiction. this is this part is real. The society is fiction, but Guernsey itself is real. Guernsey the, is a real place. The, the, no, I got that. No I got why. that. Also, <laughs> okay, so the 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 society is apparently gotcha. potato peel pie is also real. Mm. Gross. And I have a game for us. It feels like like the potatoes. I have a game. Oh, for okay. <laughs> I heard game. <laughs> the game is. What do you think would go in a potato peel pie? Oh man! Ooh, can I go first? <laughs> Joe, start us off. I'm, I'm going to guess potato Good. peels. One point for Joe. Nick. Okay, I will X out this uh, recipe page. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to go ahead and say butter. Oh yeah. Yep. All out. <laughs> yep. Butter. Good. How would you not allow it? Yeah, of course, Joe. Um, I would assume it's, I'm also going to assume it's like dairy based. I'm going to say like some whole milk or maybe some whipping cream is yeah. going to go in yep. there. You bet. Mm. You bet. So now we're a uh, uh, two to one. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe leads. Nick. Dominated. Let's just, Joe, can we agree on some sort of truce here where we just move past all the basic, yeah, uh, move past the basic stuff. like flour, sure, like we're not going to say salt. Eggs. We're not going to yeah. say, yeah. Okay. Salt, sure. Okay. So we got all those basic pie ingredients in there. Let's look for some unique ones. I'm going to go ahead and guess cornstarch. <laughs> <laughs> That feels. <laughs> I, th- I have a real guess. Do you have um, a recipe think, in front of you? <laughs> hey, no, Joe but for I, the I win. Imagine having you like, tied it too. I'm imagining my parents' scalp potatoes, and I wonder if there's like little cubes of chopped up ham in Ooh. there. Is there ham in this pie? So Damn, there should be. I'm gonna say no, and the reason is <sighs> here's the reason. This is a pie that you would make because you had no rations there was you were kind of scrounging it together from whatever you had and so you might have things like butter because there are the aforementioned guernsey cows you would definitely have potatoes you might have other kind of like basics but i would think that ham and other meats are too luxury you don't have for this so the the book is set the book is set in ian you're using your time beautifully keep going The book is set after, um, like just after World, World War II, and a lot of the kind of book's action takes place kind of in flashbacks um, or in descriptions of, of, of um, the German occupation of Guernsey. And when the Germans occupied Guernsey, for some reason they had like huge amounts of, of uh, resources poured into like occupying and, and, and like having this weird little island that wasn't really of a lot of... It wasn't a lot uh, super useful for strategic reasons, but they're just like, we have to have this. So um, the potato peel pie part of it is like these people in the society are all kind of pulling together and they're scrounging around. They're helping each other out. They're taking care of each other. They're feeding each other. Um, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're friendly in that regard. But the literary part of it is they also talk about books. They love books. And this is kind of one of the ways that they, they stay in, in, in good spirits is by talking about books and also eating potato peel pie. I'm going to try to make this for uh, for some sort of holiday this year. We'll post it to the You Don't Know Lit Pinterest yes. page. We'll make one of those recipe TikToks where everything is sped up and it seems really easy, yeah. but in fact, it's very difficult. Um, Okay, so so Juliet, our back to the back to the plot. Juliet, our main character, she's an author. She she's lost her creative spark. She goes to Guernsey and kind of develops this friendship with various people, kind of natives of the island. And there's like a, a little a little girl, a little child who 
is shy and there are various islanders who are funny in different ways kind of your classic your classic small town you've got your your somewhat idiosyncratic people you've got like the town scold um there's this guy named Dossie, mm-hmm. and he's really cool but kind of i bet there's a grumpy one yeah i mean yeah of course they're like oh, all of the yeah. all of the like all these could be yeah, played by various muppets sure. and there's also this guy named mark who is just <laughs> totally rich and american and he is juliet's boyfriend he's the main like the main character's boyfriend and so the story is just kind of a love story um i'm gonna go ahead and do a little spoiler it because you can tell this right away in the book when the boyfriend shows up, he's not cool. We don't like him and oh, we kick him to the yeah. curb. And that's pretty, it's a pretty cathartic moment when, when Juliet kicks Mark to the curb. Um, but the book is kind of about people discovering cultures outside their own and, and tying up old healing, healing old wounds and, um, coming to terms with a kind of traumatic past when the, the Germans are occupying Guernsey, it's a bad time and there's like people being taken away to concentration camps and there's like spying and stuff. And, um, Hey, uh, Ian, can I ask you something? Um, it sounds like there's a lot of story here. Yeah, there is, you know, characters and plot and et cetera. The things that, you know, you need uh, to make a story. Right. Um, The things that make books. Right. The book, the book meet, what type of, underlining overt messages are there <laughs> I, I i don't know i don't think there's i don't really think this is a book that has strong overt doesn't go there it, no i mean it's just it is a it is a fun and entertaining it's a really good it's not a romp but it's a good powerful oh. story like it makes you laugh and it makes you like what's the you'll you'll laugh you'll cry like there's there's a lot of that stuff um, maybe if, if there's, if there's a, if there's a message or something, it would be about the value of, of books that bring, to bring us together. Like books, books have a way of bridging our differences and allowing us to talk to people that we might not otherwise talk to. And I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so I guess that might be, but it's not really an overt message. It's just kind of like, here are these interesting people and here's like a ghostly presence who has a child and Here's this guy who keeps sending Juliet roses and like watch what happens when they bump into each other. This is a reader recommendation and uh, the recommender who sent this in uh, Marvin said, I quote, this is a romance history, tragedy and comedy all wrapped up in one. So um, you, you get, you get entertainment. That's not too prickly. This is not a book, which is going to like revolutionize your perspective on wage slavery in America in the 21st century. It's not a book that's going to make you realize big things about race. It's a book that's going to open your eyes to a part of history you didn't know about, the occupation of Guernsey, and I love it. Give you kind of some inspiring fun stories about the power of the power of books. That's pretty good cuz like I the the title, it sounds like it's going to be like Wes Anderson yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Like the Guernsey literary potato peel. Like it definitely sounds like it's going to try a little too hard to be cute, but yeah. my my wife loves this book. She keeps an extra copy of this book so that when she tells people about it, she can loan the extra copy to people. Um, and so I finally was just like, so this book was recommended. Uh, and I was like, I have to read this. Um, Guernsey looks beautiful. It's a man. I want to go looking at pictures of Guernsey. There's like tons of history. It looks like Croatia. Mm, yes. Yes. The kind of place where you'd Water be like, looks yeah, nice. absolutely. 
um like beautiful yeah. green beaches white sand beaches yep. a lot of history a lot of colored you know colored buildings on top you know on the side of a hill yep. i could go on i would also like to point out that it is also in the english channel just right up the channel from another island called jersey and mm. there is another yeah. cow that comes right. from jersey like there's a cow called a guernsey there's a cow called yeah. a jersey and mm. you might be thinking they're the same cow but they're not Lidheads, they're cows. not the same cow. I would like to see a Jersey Shore based on this particular Guernsey location. Shore. Oh, like the lives of the <laughs> Guernsey Shore. <laughs> uh, if this book was updated for, for the 21st century, it was published in 2008, so I guess it can't be, but I would love to read Guernsey Shore. Hey, can I tell you guys about my author? Okay, so um, this book has two authors, as as you may have heard. Uh, Marianne Schaffer is the kind of first name, the primary author, and then Annie Barrows is the second. Um, if you go Googling for Annie Barrows, you'll find, oh, she's a pretty well-known uh, author of children's literature. She did some nonfiction. She's she's a, a professional author. Uh, Schaffer, though, was a librarian. She was she worked for kind of some publishing companies, but she didn't she wasn't a really well-established author. Uh, Schaffer was Barrows's aunt. Um, so in well, quite some time ago, um, I think in the 80s, Schaffer went to England and she wanted to write a biography of some English person. And she got there to England and she looked at the papers of the personal papers of this person. And it turns out they were useless. Like basically they, they, she couldn't construct a biography out of this. And so Schaffer was really mad about this and took her anger out by going to Guernsey. Um, and when she was there, there was a huge fog storm and she had to kind of hang out in Guernsey. She was stranded. And when she was on the islands hanging out, just like buying books that, would keep her entertained. She read a whole bunch of island history where Guernsey like culture came from and why they talk the way they do and these kinds of things. And then she put every, all of this stuff out of her mind for 20 years. And then after two decades, she started writing this book and then she got really sick and died. So she was like, Jesus, <laughs> she was like, okay, kind of making good progress, <laughs> mostly done. And then she passes away. She has this terminal illness and she passes away. And her niece, Annie Barrows, who is, um, as we mentioned, a, a established writer, uh, Barrows took over and finished this novel and polished it and, and connections obviously in the book industry. Um, it hit number one on the New York times bestseller list. Uh, it was made into a Netflix movie, which is apparently mediocre as many of those Netflix movies are. And Lovely. what I think is that Marianne Schaffer is kind of, uh, in the room right now. And um, watching, just wa- just watching us. This is like a presence, I would say. Oh, okay, cool. That is yeah. I think she's friend of the show. I think she's a friend of the show, Big and I fan. think you know what? I think she's pretty happy with how the show is going. <laughs> Not to speak <laughs> for so her too. or anything, but <laughs> I'd yeah, say full fan. endorsement. Big that's friend. what I think. That's what you're getting mm-hmm. at. That's the feeling I'm getting. Uh, do you guys have any books about books? Um, yes, people do write books about books, and sometimes they're great, and sometimes that's true. They're like my PhD dissertation, borderline unreadable and three hundred pages long. I thought wow. about bringing my PhD <laughs> dissertation. Oh, you should do that. It, it would then have had two people read it, uh, me and you. Instead, um, <laughs> I'm going to bring a book called Magpie Murders, which is, um, it, it's like. Part of it is a murder mystery and part of it is a murder mystery. Ooh, two parts. Both murder mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, a story within a story, a book within a book, and I am eager to... I haven't read it. This is a listener recommendation, and I'm eager to get into it. So 
next week Mag- magpie murders a novel is this um is this did the birds do it i'm really hoping that the oh, magpies like question. stole the guy's heart and put it in the tree or maybe is this actually are, is murders like a play on like crows so this is just like a bird oh, based you know book what, nick I, if you want the yeah, answers to this murder. you're just gonna have to listen next week <laughs> <laughs> for more hard-hitting questions like don't this. worry i'll take care of you litheads joseph what, what you got yeah nick you you've heard of stephen king he's that guy that writes like a ton of books and makes a ton of money one time stephen king was walking and somebody hit him with a car yeah and he almost died and yeah. it was kind of famous he was like in the news for it and stuff which was a little voyeuristic but um in recovery he wrote a book about writing. Uh, It's one of his only nonfiction books. It's a book about how he writes books, and it's a book that I've read many times. It's uh, unputdownable. It's incredibly readable. It's super short. Uh, Nick, next week, I'm bringing Stephen King's On Writing, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, Nick, this week I read Nancy Drew and the Quest for the Missing Map. I, I'd said this before. There's like 175 Nancy Drew books. They wow. were published from like 1930 until 2003. Wow. That's a lot of And I don't want to bury the lead here. You might say, <laughs> wow, that's a long person. For, like, that's a long time for yeah, one I person would say that's to a long person. a series of books. That's one long person. Her toes are in 1930. Her nose is in 2003. Uh, Nick, even though Nancy Drew books say they're written by Carolyn Keene, Carolyn Keene is not real. She's fake. This is interesting. I didn't know uh, these books have been written that long and that there has been so many liars over the years. Um, So was there ever uh, a Carolyn Keene? So good question. Um, Nick, I, I guess I'm going to, this is going to be a little bit of a choose your own adventure. Uh, and Nick is the one who gets to choose. I could start Sorry. by Sorry, telling Ian. you about uh, the, the Stratemeyer syndicate and like the origin of Nancy Drew, or I could start with a game called Nancy Drewniverse or Scooby Dooniverse. Oh, Jesus. Obviously, we need to start with that game immediately. <laughs> yes. <clearly. laughs> but thank you right. for the fake question, because like, like we wouldn't start with the game. The illusion yeah, of choice. We, yes. we love games. Um, Nick, this game is called Nancy Drewniverse or Scooby Dooniverse. Uh, I Write am going to down. give you a quote, and I want you to tell me if this quote comes from the Nancy Drewniverse, one of the 175 books or TV shows or movies or whatever, or the Scooby Dooniverse, um, which has a bunch of TV episodes and a couple of movies and things like that. Yeah, big library. All right. Um, Nick and Ian, this game is for both of you to play. Uh, Nancy Drew or Scooby Doo. Romance and detective work won't mix tonight. Romance and detective work won't <laughs> mix tonight. Was it from the Nancy Drewniverse or the Scooby Dooniverse? Uh, Ian, yes. Um, I'm going to say Nancy Drewniverse. Oh, and why? Why do you say Nancy Drewniverse? Well, because it feels like romance isn't a big part of Scooby Doo, though I could be wrong. I've right, never seen Scooby Doo. There's Boo. Daphne. Boo. There's Fred. That's how Wait, I, Boo, I. That's I how you in. buzz in. Yeah, okay, Nick. Me. Nick, go ahead. It's a. It's a seasonal. Yeah, seasonal yeah, uh, joke. joke. Uh, I am going to say the opposite answer, Scooby Doo, uh, just Scooby-Doo. because I want to roll those dice. 
All right. Uh, fantastic. Ian, you have a point. Congratulations. Uh, yes. Romance and detective work won't mix tonight. Not only is Nancy Drew an extremely capable detective, she also has a longtime boyfriend that she goes and like, you know, to dances for at 85 his fraternity. Years. For 85 years. They're going to tie the knot soon. Is the spooky thing about this book that they're vampires? Right. I have another quote for you. Okay. <laughs> Four missing heirs, a haunted house, and a phantom shadow. All that's missing is a spooky organ. Four missing heirs, a haunted house, and a phantom shadow. All that's missing is a spooky organ. Uh, Ian, I believe you you chimed in first. This is clearly the Scooby-Doo universe because Scooby-Doo yeah. is always hanging out in mansions. The, sh- mm. the, sh- the whatever the shadow thing he said, I feel like yeah. that's like a, the phantom. That's That's a reoccurring theme. And Scooby Doo. Um, yeah, congratulations. You both get a point. That is uh that is from an episode of Scooby Doo. And um and you're you're right. All right. I've got another one for you. This one comes to you in Latin um, as a throwback to last week's song of Achilles uh, and the classics dork that wrote that. Um Semper Ubi sub Ubi. Semper Ubi sub Ubi. Uh, at least he finally gave us a hard one here. Um yeah, I did not I'm expect gonna... this. I'm going to go, I mean, okay, boo. Uh, I'm going to go um, definitely Scooby-Doo because whatever you just said rhymes with Scooby-Doo. Right, like Semper Scooby sub Scooby, am I yeah, right? Yeah, something like Scooby mm, Snack good. bullshit or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, uh, we have one guest for Scooby-Doo. Would you like to uh, hedge the bet? I'm going to say, I'm going to say nancy druniverse it just that's feels obviously like- a mistake it's obviously a mistake ian uh yeah it's obviously not a mistake congratulations ian it is from the nancy druniverse <laughs> uh semper ubi sub ubi as every first year latin student knows of course translates to always wear underwear it is nonsense latin and uh and the sort of fun clean hijinks that you'll find in a nancy drew book and i've got just one left I don't like how that last round went, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it was a g- 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 ghost, a great big one with horrible eyes. Oh, this seems like a trick. Nancy Drew or Scooby-Doo. I'm going to go Nancy Drew because I just want to be wrong. <laughs> I'm going to say Scooby-Doo. I, I don't believe <laughs> that Nancy Drew has stuttering in it. <laughs> um, it is a trick. It is in both an episode of Scooby-Doo and the book that I read this week, The Quest for the Missing Map. It was a ghost, a big one with horrible eyes. So as you can see, there's a lot of similarities between Nancy Drew and Scooby-Doo. Nick, can I give you just a few of the the things that were in this book that I think you're going to like? I would love that, Joe. Nick, this book has long lost twins in it. Boom. Done. I love it. Next. Love it. (laughs) Nick, there is a treasure map in this book that has been torn in half. And each of those long lost twins has only half of the map. Yep. Good. So far, there is a shipwreck in this book. There are pirates in this book. Okay. It's basically a pirate book, huh? Well, there's also, (laughs) though, a spooky old house that has a laboratory with secret passages. Oh, oh, that was your defense against it being a pirate book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. it's a spooky old house book, too. Not okay. just a pirate book. Gotcha.
let's get into the the heavy hitting stuff. All right. Let's let's right. get into it. What is this book all about? All right. Well, I, I've given you the highlights so far. Um, this book is about like hijinks. Nancy Drew is a <laughs> You mean hard hitting hijinks? Wait. Well, wait. pretty hard hitting hijinks, which is weird. Why haven't we done hijinks as a theme yet? There, that needs That's to be a, theme. a good theme. I'm writing guys. it down. <laughs> Um, Nancy Drew is a girl detective. Um, she is 18 years old. She is pretty. She is wealthy. She drives a cool blue car that she like works on herself and is really good at driving. Uh, she has a cool boyfriend and Nancy Drew, apart from being really good at like music and art and mechanic work is also a really, really good detective. And she doesn't actually like officially work as a detective in this thing like like I think you're like oh you go and get Nancy Drew to solve your crimes but that's not exactly it she just stumbles upon a lot of mysteries she stumbles upon a lot of crimes and then you know uses her her whip smarts and her resourcefulness and yeah. her um her her nice dressing and stuff like that to solve them now I don't know a ton about Nancy Drew or the um 8,000 years that the book has been in publication mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the books the 175 books 175 books. Wow. So it's like two a year, huh? So many. Nearly. Wow. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Where does the, in the lore of Nancy Drew, where does she attribute her, her, all of her skills that she uses? Do you know what I mean? Is she uh, like like a, like a smart homeschooled kid or. (laughs) Did you find an artifact when she was young? Yeah. Is there a Horcrux in here? Right. She is a Horcrux. Um, she, she is, is a the eighth Horcrux. Yeah, Boom. she is a Horcrux. That's why she's she immortal. Has <laughs> a startling addition to the Nancy Drew universe. <laughs> no, Nancy Drew, uh, Nick, she attributes her, like, well, she would never attribute her her good fortune to or, or skill to anything because she's much too modest to do that, right? Like, she's just a normal girl from her point of view. Gotcha. Um, however, it is from a good, clean, wholesome upbringing. Um, she has a dad who really respects oh. her and and takes care of her and okay. views her as an equal. She has a mother who has sadly um, passed away. Her her mother has passed. Uh. Um, and Nancy Drew has led has had to become like resourceful and learn how to take care of herself. But it never bothered her for a second. She's like totally up for the challenge. I like Nancy Drew books. I think it's great. Encourages kids to read. Good, positive role model. Has she ever done anything to be canceled? <laughs> I mean, you're going to be around for 90 years. I mean, how, what's the history I mean, like the, here? The, the long, longevity is amazing. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. Um, And it gets into why this is a ghost book and why I brought it for spooky season. Uh-oh. Carolyn Keene is not... Uh, person right she she never was a person she was always a pseudonym for a group for a group of writers um of the first 30 books 19 of them were written by the same woman a woman named mildred wirt benson and you ask if nancy jew has ever done anything to be canceled um mildred wirt benson was a ghostwriter she wrote these books on contract for a syndicate called the Stratemeyer Syndicate, named for a guy uh, that started it, Edward Stratemeyer. That sounds really like, like uh, super villainish. Yeah, right. Like you could imagine a book being called Nancy Drew and the Stratemeyer yeah. Syndicate, right? Essentially, all Ed Stratemeyer did is, um, by the way, he's uh, has a ton of book series that you have heard of, like things like The Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew or Tom Swift or The Bobsy Twins. Hmm. Um, 
these are these are all Stratemeyer Syndicate series. At least something like 109 different titles are in that series. Wow. So he started writing these in the early uh, 20th century, like 1902, I think they published the first one. And he basically built an empire, like this media empire, publishing these series of books, mostly targeted at children. Uh, he died in 1930. And uh, his daughters took over the business. And at one point, his daughters did go back and they rewrote a lot of the initial books to huh. basically not get canceled. Like they went back through and they're like, oh, some of dad's stuff is a little problematic and racist. Um, we're going to clean it up a little bit so that these can be timeless. Um, and and they mm. did. They cleaned it up. And, um, and you know, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew remain untarnished. Um, and is, is everything you said correct? Is that accurate? this is not like um no editorializing there um so that's pretty interesting so it's kind of like turned into a family business after that yeah it turned into a family business and that yeah i mean his daughters took over in 1930 i would imagine they're long gone um but but if the stratemeyer syndicate itself is kind of this it's pretty interesting, right? They published obviously tons and tons of books. They targeted them at children. Um, they sold them for like 50 cents a piece when a normal book costs like a dollar or a dollar 25 even. So it was like these super accessible things. Kids got hooked. And Nick, you asked like if they're, if they're like problematic or, or if there was issues with them. Um, when they were being published, a lot of like librarians and literary people really turned up their nose oh, at them like um like for for decades libraries refused to carry syndicate books considering them to be unworthy trash they're considered to quote cause mental laziness induce <laughs> a fatal sluggishness and in- intellectual torpor uh, basically they said hey if kids wear a series books like read these books in a series it just ruins their chances for gaining an appreciation of good literature hmm Huh. What a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Elitist, I love the elitist gatekeeping. Um, hey, oh, yeah. And librarians come, come bringing you elitist gatekeeping since 1902. So, okay, interesting. We should do an episode where we just talk about um, canceled characters yes. or, or <laughs> characters that have been revised, such as that. Joe, Joe I've got a yeah, question. Revised, yeah. I've got a question about like, this, this is going to sound like elitist gatekeeping. I swear it's not. I'm I'm curious about (laughs) I'm curious about like what the draw over would you say 700 years Mm -hmm. they do Mm -hmm. they can't all be new plots like there's got to be some degree of cookie cutter here like why why what what has made it so things that people wanted in the 1950s are very different from things that people want today. So why is it still like popular? What? Yeah, it, it's a super good question. Um, I guess it started, I, I guess the reason that it first started is Stratemeyer. Ed Stratemeyer was like the Hardy boys books were his biggest books by far. And he noticed that a lot of those books were being read by girls. Like a lot of the people that bought them were girls. And he thought, boy, maybe we should like, come up with a book title that's aimed at girls, which was like a kind of a revolutionary or a, like idea for this at the time, right? Like it wasn't, uh, it, it was a bit of a stretch. Um, he came up with Nancy Drew and it became one of their top selling, um, one of their top selling properties. When they would write these books though, the ghost writers, mostly this, this Mildred, um, th- this 
I'm sorry, most of this Mildred Benson, they would give her an outline and they'd be like, hey, this is the outline that we want you to follow. And the outlines were really similar to like Hardy Boys books, you know, it was stuff like villains in masks and old haunted houses and shipwrecks and pirates. And you're absolutely right when you say like, well, these plots they have to like rehash them. They have to reuse them. Like they can't be that unique. Right. And I think that's why I compare it to a Scooby-Doo episode. Like if you asked me whatever, like if I remember any Scooby-Doo episodes, I'd be like, well, I remember a lot of tropes from Scooby-Doo episodes. Right. Like I remember a lot of like stuff, but the main thing that I remember from Scooby-Doo is these characters, right? Like I remember Shaggy. I remember Fred. I remember like Scooby himself, right? Like that's, the draw. That's the appeal. And the appeal of these books is Nancy. Like she is like to put, like to put it mildly, like Nancy Drew is awesome. Like she is super self-sufficient. She leads a really cool life. Keep in mind, this is like in 1930. She is autonomous, right? Like she has the respect of everybody around her, including like people in positions of power, like police officers and her father and like other powerful men in the community. Um, She's 16 years old. Like she's a sure shot. She's an excellent swimmer. She like is a seamstress, a gourmet cook. She plays bridge. Like Nancy is just absolutely awesome. She's super capable. She's super like smart. She's super fancy, right? Like she dates the soror or uh, the fraternity king. Like Nancy is awesome. And that's where this and, and self-sufficient and smart. And that's where the appeal of this comes from. So it's, it's less about like, um, you'll, you'll never believe what happens in this, in this edition. It's more like, Hey, yeah, there's a plot. There might be a villain, but it's most an excuse to hang out with this cool person. It's mostly an excuse to hang out with Nancy, see her friends, see her go to like the, and I should say, not just like, not just solve mysteries, but also like live this pretty cool lifestyle right like she has a car she goes to, like she's how wears is she? beautiful clothes um it, early versions she's 16 years old later versions she's 18 years old <laughs> oh, 200 years later she turned 18 <laughs> uh joseph i feel like did we talk about what it, the book is about <laughs> We, we, well, I, I don't really want to talk about what the book is about because it's enough. like talking about what an what a Scooby Doo episode is about. Like it's just kind of nonsense. Well, can like, you give us? Just, can you give us the broad strokes? Um, sure. <laughs> okay. Nancy Drew he said joyously. Gets, <laughs> well, okay. Nancy Drew goes to a spooky old mansion and she realized that something spooky is going on there. And then there's another <laughs> character and she finds half of a treasure map and she has to find the other half of the treasure map. And it's also related to that spooky mansion is kind of <laughs> that's like kind of the broad strokes of the plot. That sounds like most of your books that you guys bring. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I have exactly one more thing to say, and it's about this woman, Mildred Wirt Benson. Um, and Mildred Wirt Benson is the one who was the first one who wrote Nancy Drew. Right. Like out of those first 30 novels, she wrote 19 of them. A lot of the lasting appeal for Nancy Drew comes from. I mean, I mean, it comes from Nancy. We've, we've talked about that. We've established that. But one thing that a lot of people talk about, like biographers talk about is they say, Hey, Nancy was Mildred Benson. Like, like Mildred Benson got the plot, right? Like she was given the plot from the Stratemeyer syndicate, but the charm of these books is in the character. And like Mildred Benson 
is Nancy Drew. So um, just to give you a taste of it, she was a newspaper writer. This is in the uh, like 1920s, 1930s. Um, she Every book that she wrote, she would get paid about two months wages. Um, she wrote from this provided outline, but in her personal life, she was kind of an adventurer in a way that would have been shocking for 1930. Uh, she made numerous trips to Central America. She drove through the jungle in a Jeep. She canoed down rivers. She visited Mayan cities before like you could like be a tourist and visit Mayan cities like with a machete and like hiking through the jungle. She learned to fly airplanes. Um, she like would go on site on archaeological digs. Like she was like this spunky, plucky, awesome woman and she wrote a teenage version of herself uh, and hmm. people, people thought it was, people thought it was great. Nice. I like it. I like both. I like all this stuff. I like everything you guys just said. Didn't scare right. me at all. Despite your We've best efforts. We have failed then. Uh, Joe, you lose. Um, uh, I think your book. I thought I had it. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I know really it sounds. Know. Here's what I liked yeah. about what you said, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the character a lot. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good role model. I think it's fun, and I could see getting into these books. I don't know how the books read, so I can't necessarily back that up. Maybe it's trash. I don't know. Uh, but you know, I think you have to just accept uh, accept that you're not the audience sometimes. Mm. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. There was there was a review I read of this one on Amazon that was pretty good. Where the the mom writing it is like said something along the lines of, "I didn't really think this is one of the better Nancy Drews. Like I thought it was like kind of a contrived and convoluted plot." Uh, my daughter said it was her favorite though. So, eh, what the hell, five stars? What do I know? Right. <laughs> yeah. What um, do I know? Right. So, um, congratulations, Ian. Thank you. Congratulations, Ian, on a hot streak. Ah. Uh, on a holiday too. Ooh, mm. extra sweet. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Congratulations, Liam. Uh, congratulations, Liam. What? <laughs> congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Litheads. We love you very much. Happy spooky season, Litheads. If you want to help the show, one of the best things you can do is suggest a book, suggest a theme. Uh, Guernsey Potato Peel and Wes Anderson Society <laughs> was suggested by one of you. Um, and and boy, <laughs> one of you should have suggested this great Nancy Drew book that I read. Uh, but uh, we read everything that you write. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. If you want to help the show, go over to you don't know lit podcast.com, suggest a theme. You can also head on over to our social media. We are everywhere, including our recipes on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like stuff. Shout us out. Oh, and leave a review. Five stars. All right. Congrats, Ian. That's a lot to do in one week, guys. You get better <laughs> yeah, keep just, going. Li- uh, you just have to do one of those things. So um, I said that this book <laughs> is a book about books. I said this book is about the connections that reading can give us. Um, our main character uh, mails books back and forth with um, her friend, um, Dossie, and he writes her and he says, Hey, I heard about this book. Could you, I I live on an Island. Could you send it to me? And so she sends him books and then writes letters as well. And this is a a little, a little soundbite where she's reflecting on the power of this connectivity. She says, that's what I love about reading. One tiny thing will interest you in a book. 
and that tiny thing will lead you to another book, and another bit there will lead you on to a third book. It's geometrically progressive, all with no end in sight, and for no other reason than sheer enjoyment. <laughs>